Thank you for listening today. We are so honored that you would take time out of your day to check out one of our messages. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can visit us at www.burgersassembly.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Burgers Assembly. And now, here's this week's message. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Are you thankful for God's presence today? Praise the Lord. And so excited that you are here this morning as well. Thankful that you are a part of this service today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter number 3 is where we're going to begin this morning. Philippians chapter number 3. We're going to continue on with our power series from the book of Philippians this morning, and we're going to continue to talk about the subject that we began speaking about last Sunday morning, the power of identity, the power of identity. Now, before we jump into the Word of God, how many is excited about Thanksgiving? Well, four people. Come on. This is Thanksgiving. How many is excited about Thanksgiving? All right. Oh, I just want to remind you uh, this morning, the message in itself is not going to be covering the subject of Thanksgiving because we're in this series, but I just want to remind you uh, this week to be thankful. I want to remind you to be thankful. Listen, we, we live in a, an unbelievable nation, the United States of America, amen? And not only that, but we're saved. Our hearts have been changed by Jesus Christ. And we have families. We have friends. We have a church family. Listen, we have a lot to be thankful for this week. I want to remind you to be thankful this week. Spend some time not only in thanking God for His presence in your life, but spend some time thanking Him for all of the blessings that He's poured out in your, in your life this week. And, and tell somebody, tell somebody what they mean to you this week. Listen, it's an opportunity for you to get close and allow God just to speak through you. And there may be a crazy uncle that you see this week at Thanksgiving dinner, right? And how many has one? No, never mind. Keep your hands down. And so we all understand there may be a situation that you have with a family member this week that you've been wanting to avoid and you just nervous about that. But listen, God's got it. Amen. He's got, he's going to use you to bring some peace this week and some comfort. So be thankful that God is going to use you this week. Philippians chapter number three. And we're going to look beginning in verse number 12 this morning. Philippians 3 verse 12. The Bible says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Are you thankful that he's laid hold of you? Amen. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. 
Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Now, if you were here last Sunday morning, you know that we spoke a lot about knowing and keeping our identity in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked about and focused in on what our identity should be as a follower of Jesus Christ. And one of the areas I believe we forget this morning, or maybe I should say one of the areas that we neglect is remembering who we are in Jesus Christ. Remembering who we are in Jesus Christ. In other words, we often focus our lives on how we feel about ourselves or about how others feel about us, while we should be focusing instead on what Jesus feels about us instead of what we feel about ourselves. Because it's in knowing what Jesus thinks about us that we will then be able to walk out our identity in Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to be able to live our life for Christ in victory. It is only if we understand what Jesus thinks about us. So pastor, how am I supposed to do that? I'm so glad you asked this morning. Number one. In order to live in the power of our true identity, I will fellowship with other godly people. Wow. I should fellowship with other godly people. Look at Philippians 3 verse 17 of our text. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. The only way that you can follow someone is to be around them. The only way you can follow someone is to be around them. So part of realizing the power of our true identity in Christ is to hang out with God's people. That's part of realizing who you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ is hanging out with God's people. Now listen, this doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from everyone that doesn't go to church, right? That's not what we're saying. But it does mean that it's important for us to have fellowship with other godly people. It does mean that we need fellowship and support from fellow believers. Whether you like to talk about fellowship or not, or whether you like actually to fellowship with others, it doesn't take away the fact that it's important for you as a child of God to have other godly people surrounding your life. 
Some people will say, well, Jesus would hang out with the sinners all the time. Right? Jesus hung out with the sinners all the time. And pastor, you're telling me that I need to hang out with people that are fellow believers. So what's the difference? Well, listen, it's very true that Jesus went out after the lost. Jesus spent a lot of time with the brokenhearted. Jesus spent a lot of time with the sinners. But we must also understand that he fellowshiped more with his disciples than he did with anyone else in his life. Oh boy, you're getting quiet. Listen to what I said. Jesus fellowshiped with more with the disciples than any other people in his life. Yes, he spent time with non-believers. How many knows that's important? Come on, somebody. Yes, he spent time with sinners, and that's important because guess what? You and I were one of them. <laughs> it's important for us to reach out, but guess what? His foundation was his fellowship with other godly believers that were surrounding his life. Why was that? Well, he knew that fellowship was important for him, but he also knew that they needed him in their lives. And how did they get that? How did they get Jesus? They got that through relationship. They got that because Jesus hung out with them. Listen, there is a supernatural reason why Jesus has formed us for relationships with others. And here it is. Jesus knows that we have a tendency to try to do life by ourselves. See, he knows us. He understands that if we are going to live this life, he understands that as we live this life, we have this bad tendency to try to do life all by ourselves and try to make all the best decisions and try to continue to live life and do it by pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and saying, well, I can do it right. I don't need anybody else's help. He knows that we have a tendency to try to do it ourselves. There's an underlying purpose why God believes that fellowship is important. We're here, why? We're here to encourage one another. We're here to get acquainted with other people. We're here to build one another up. Listen, this is a supernatural purpose in the church. How do I do that? I do that by simply making an effort. I do it by simply doing it. I make an effort to fellowship with other people. So how do I do that? How do I do that in this church body, in this corporate body? How am I supposed to fellowship? Are you ready? Talk to someone different every week. Come on, you need to write that down. This is one of the best things I've ever told you. Yeah. Talk to somebody different every week. Listen, there are new people in the room this morning. Guess what? There are people in this room that you've seen for years and you've probably said two words to them. Oh boy. Talk to someone different every week. Why? Because people need that. You need that as well. And people need Jesus. And people that need Jesus, when they come to Jesus, guess what? They're going to need someone as an example in their life. If someone comes fresh into their relationship with God, they began and start a relationship with God, what makes you think that they're going to be able to make it all on their own? They need someone to fellowship with. They need someone to be an example in their life. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 16, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. 
guess what? They couldn't imitate Him unless they were able to see Him. They couldn't imitate Him unless they were able to watch His life. In other words, He's saying, I'm fellowshipping with you. I'm spending and building relationship with you. And as I'm doing that, as we're together, watch what I do. Watch how I talk. Watch how I treat other people. Watch how I win other people to the Lord. Watch me and imitate me. Because we're spending life together. A lot of times when we come to church and we say, well, pastor's going to preach a little message. We're going to hear some songs. It's going to be nice. We're going to go home. Everybody's going to be happy. Kumbaya. Come on. And we never say, who am I going to fellowship with today? Who am I going to be intentional about reaching out to someone different to today? Who is it that God may speak to my heart about sharing something with them in order to encourage them? How do I make a difference in the lives of people that I don't yet know? Reach out to new faces. Invite them to attend your core group. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Why? Because I know that them attending core group will help them to find the power of their identity. I know if we're learning together, I know if we're being discipled together, I know if we're continuing to dig deep into the Word of God together and we come to core group together, that means we're going to be fellowshipping, we're going to be learning more about one another. Listen, I've learned more about some of you people in core groups than I've ever known. Some of it I didn't want to, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But how many of you realize today that that's where we find connection? It's easier to find connection when we put ourselves out there and we invite people into our lives. If you're connecting with people because you want to be able to have an excuse to act and talk and gossip and sin like them, then you have the wrong idea about relationships. See, some people say, well... You know, God's this great God of grace and I'm going to connect with people, but my idea of connection is being able to continue to do all the stuff that I used to do. No, that's not God's idea of connection and fellowship. Amen? Jesus had relationships with sinners in order to draw them to the Father. The reason why Jesus purposefully put Himself into their lives was in order to draw them away from their old life and into new life in Christ. So the purpose for us has to, about relationships has to be what? We should purposefully not be building relationships in order so that I can go act like them, but so that I can draw them into relationship with the Father. So what way is it in your life? What way is it in your relationships right now? Are you being drawn into their realm of influence? Or are they being drawn into yours? 1 Thessalonians 1 and 6 says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. He said, what did he say? First of all, he said, we had relationship together, and by that relationship, it drew you into a relationship with God. That's pretty awesome, right? 
1 Thessalonians 2 and 13 and 14 then says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from what us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judeans these people are in affliction these people are dealing with persecution they're dealing with difficulty in life and he's talking to them about their growing relationship with God and how that happened and he basically is saying look it began with relationship with us because as we began to speak the truth of God to you you began to grow in your relationship with us and look how it mirrors the other church of what God is doing over here because now you're imitating what God is doing come on you understand relationship together has allowed them to continue to grow in their relationship with God. The Word of God actually compares the church to a human body. Now this is so important because one part of my physical body does not fight with another part. But it works together for the good of the whole body. Now if you see someone punching themselves in their face... With their own hand, they got problems. Are you listening to me? The body doesn't work that way. The body doesn't self-harm naturally. The body works together in order to have the good of the entire body in order to keep itself healthy. And it's the same for the church. We're not created to fight and argue and bicker with one another. We're here to love and encourage and to lift up so that we will all be able to rise up over the enemy who's out to to destroy us with his lies. So I'm here to encourage you. You should be here to encourage me. We should be here to fellowship with one another. Even if you'd say, well, you know what? It's just not my personality to go to other people and talk to them, well, guess what? There are some things in the Word of God that are not about our personality. It's more about choosing to do God's will, to be obedient to God's Word. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Listen, it's not always comfortable for me to give my tithe. Oh, boy. But I choose to be obedient to God's Word because I know it's what God has asked me to do in order to honor Him with my worship and that part of my financial life. Are you listening to me? Listen, this is what God has asked us to do, to fellowship with one another. You might say, well, hey, this is not my personality. Well, you get to choose whether or not you're going to honor God in that area of your life or not. Verse 18 and 19 of our text says this, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. What does that mean? It's just to show what happens when we separate from the love and the fellowship and the example and the accountability of other believers. 
This is, what, this is what happens to churches. This is what happens to individuals as they separate from the presence of God and they separate from fellowship with the church. You listening? This is what happens when people stop listening to the truth of God's word. Listen, it is okay to speak to a fellow believer who is on the path of moving away from God in order to encourage them to get back on the right track. As long as you do it within the right spirit. If you're doing it so that you can gossip about them, that's not the right spirit, right? But it's okay for you to call someone on the phone or to go knock on somebody's door to encourage them that they need to get back on the right track if you truly love them and you have their, their best interest at heart. There is benefit in holding one another accountable and God's plan for the local corporate body is to use the role of the pastor in order to correct wrong behavior in fellow believers. Did you know that? That's the reason why I preach some of this stuff that I preach to you. You know why? Because we're sitting in here today and maybe there's some wrong behavior that's been going on in your life. And so God is using the role of pastor in order to be a mouthpiece from God's word so that we can see the area of our life that needs to get straightened out. It's not so that a pastor can be mean. Though I look mean when I did that. See, it's not so that a pastor can be mean, but it's so that we can learn to live out our true identity in Jesus. Come on. How many wants to live out your true identity in Jesus? Amen? Next thing we see is this. We see that I'm living my true identity when I anticipate my ultimate destiny. I'm living out my true identity when I anticipate my ultimate destiny. You're going to like this. Philippians 3 and 21 who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Paul knew that it was important to remind these believers that living on this earth was not their ultimate destiny. He's starting to speak to them and he wants them to understand, look, this is not the end if you're a believer. Listen, it's okay to think about your ultimate destiny in heaven. It's okay. We must guard against making our primary focus this earthly life. This shouldn't be your primary focus. This earthly life is only preparing us for eternal life and living in the presence of the King. Oh, come on, that's something to get excited about. 1 Corinthians 1 and 7 backs that up by saying, so that you come short in no gift eagerly, everybody say eagerly, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10 says, and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Don't get so bogged down with what's going on in front of you that it causes you to forget what is waiting for you. It's easy for us to get so bogged down with life and our problems and our struggles and our family issues and all of these things that we forget that there's a huge future and an eternity that's waiting for us as a child of God. Titus 2 
Verse 11 through 13 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. I've heard this said before, and you have too. Said we, somebody said, we need to be careful unless we get so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Right? People have said that. Well, to be honest, I've never in my life met a person like that. I just haven't. That's the truth. But I will tell you that I've met a lot of people of so-called Christians that are so earthly minded that they're no heavenly good. Come on. I've met a lot of people, so-called Christians, that are so earthly-minded, they're no heavenly good. Why? What happens? We need to realize it's okay to anticipate our ultimate destiny in Christ. Because we have heaven to look forward to. So we should talk about heaven more. We should anticipate heaven more. We should look forward to heaven more than we do. I found this the other day when I was looking at a few examples and stories of of heaven. And I found these examples. The article said, how do children picture heaven? Eric, age eight, said this said, it is a place where there's a lot of money lying around. You could just pick it up, play with it, and buy things. I think I'm going to buy a basketball, and I'm going to play basketball with my (laughs) great-grandmother. Scott said, heaven is up in the sky, and you could look down at circuses for free if you want to. Except you have to ask God for permission first. (laughs) David, age seven, says, heaven is kind of big and they sit around playing harps. I don't know how to play a harp, but I should probably learn how to play that dumb thing pretty soon. (laughs) Tommy, age seven, says, I know what heaven is, but I don't want to go there. I want to go to North Carolina instead. (laughs) I don't know if Tommy was anticipating his destiny, right? How many of you realize we need to anticipate our destiny in Christ? Amen. 1 Corinthians 15 and 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. And 1 John 3 and 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He, Jesus, is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself. Just as he is pure. You see the motivation for our life? Motivation for our life is what Jesus has done for us. And also the fact that Jesus has prepared a place for us. That Jesus is waiting for us. And because of what Jesus has done. Says that our lives should be purified. Because that's the motivation for how we live. 
I know who I am. I can live in the power of my identity this morning when I anticipate that I have an eternal destiny that is wrapped up in and made possible by Jesus Christ. I find comfort when I know that even though I'm facing a tough time that one day I'm going to see Jesus. I find peace knowing that even though my life seems uncertain today that there is a God who has created a certain future for me. I find hope in knowing that even though I'm unable to change what seems like an impossible situation, that God has it worked out in such a way that I'm going to spend eternity with Him anyway. Because of where Jesus has been, I can look forward to where I am going. Worship team, I want to ask you, invite you to come to the front, please. Because of where Jesus has been, I can look forward to where I am going. Listen, I want you to know that there's power when we anticipate our eternal destiny in Jesus Christ. There's some of you that have dealt with a temptation in your life and you don't know how to get victory over this certain area of temptation. This may be a, a reveal or a revelation of what God wants to show you in your life. You say, I don't know how to get over this temptation. Well, guess what? During that moment of temptation, you need to begin to think about how awesome God is and how awesome His eternity that He's prepared for you in that moment. That's freeing to understand. I can get through this moment of temptation because I know what Jesus has done for me and I know what Jesus has prepared for me. I can get through a problem. I can get through a heartbreak. Why? Because I know the heartbreak's not going to last forever, but my eternity with Jesus is going to last forever. I can get through a pain in my body because I know that pain is only going to be a short while, but God is going to prepare me a new earthly body. Come on, somebody. And I get to spend eternity with Jesus in that perfect body that He has prepared for me. You know, I've gone through some worry. I've gone through some trouble. Well, guess what? You get to spend an eternity without any worry. Are you listening to me? There's power in knowing what Jesus has done for us and what he has prepared for us and where we're going to spend eternity. Because of where Jesus has been, I can look forward to where I'm going. So here's the question. Where are you going? Where are you going? You have an opportunity this morning to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that I've looked at the majority of your faces for many years. But this is still an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Because I can't reach down into your heart and I can't make a decision for you. But if you've not made a decision to honor Christ with your life, that's between you and God. But today you have an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that for those that reject a relationship with Jesus, there's a horrible place of torment and regret called hell. And that's where every person that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ is going to spend eternity. That's not something to look forward to. I've heard people say before, well, when I die, I'm just going to spend time, I'll go party with my friends. 
I don't think they've had an adequate description of what hell is really going to be like. This morning, if you know Jesus Christ and you've committed your life to Him, the Word of God tells us there's a place called heaven that we have to look forward to. Amen? Charles Ellis from Indianapolis, Indiana, says this. He said, I'm a tremendous sports fan. Since many sporting events take place when I'm not home, I record them. When it's time to sit in my easy chair and view the game, unlike most people, I don't start at the beginning. Instead, I fast forward to the end to see who won or lost. That's ridiculous to me. He says, if my team lost, I'll stop watching. But if my team won, I'll start the game at the beginning, get out some snacks and popcorn, and watch the whole game. Some say, he says, that this method can't be much fun, but I love it. No matter how bad things look for my team, I don't have to worry because I already know the end of the story. He then says that's how we might think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. No matter how bad things look, we know the end of the story. We know who wins. Read the Word. We're God's people. We're victorious in the end. This morning I want you to know that you too can have that confidence because if you've heard it here today and if you have read your Bible, you know that Jesus wins. The only thing is that we have to do, listen, the only thing we have to do is we have to allow Him to win in us first. He has to win in us first. We have to allow Him to come into our heart. We have to allow Him to conquer that sin that He's already won the battle over. But we get to make a choice you have the power of choice about how you're going to live, whether in victory or you're going to live in defeat. You're going to choose to let him win. Number one, are you going to choose to let him in? Number two, day by day, are you going to choose to live in the victory of your identity in Christ? Are you going to, you're going to let somebody else tell you who you are? You're going to let the enemy rule that area of your life. What are you going to do? What decision are you going to make? Number one, we have to be saved. Number two, we have to allow God to continue to win and us not defeat that area that He's already won in, in our life. Aren't you glad? Have you read the end of the book? He's victorious, amen? Could you stand with me today? I don't know about you this morning, but ever since the beginning of service today, there's just been just a special, just an anointing, just a special touch of God's presence here today. And I believe that that's because He's wanting to do something in your life this morning. But we, we get to make a choice. We get to make a choice about what we allow Him 
to do in our lives. Certainly, I believe that every person in this room that God in some way wants to speak to your life today. He wants to draw you closer. I want to be closer to God today than I was yesterday. I want to know Him better. I want to know more about what He wants to do in my life. I don't want to go into eternity saying, well, you know, I, I thought it was a good idea that I could probably have some fire insurance before I went into eternity, but that's where I left God. It's just to have a little fire insurance to protect me from hell. That's, that's not what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to have relationship. There are those of you that have seen it in other people. You've watched other people. You've seen it. And in your heart, you've come to altar times and you've come to prayer times and you've thought to yourself, man, I know grandma had it. I know dad or mom had it. I know my brother and sister or I know this other person in my life. I've watched them. I know they had something special with God, but that's just not me. Why not? doesn't mean you have to act like them and their personality. But it does mean that you can know God the way that they knew God. It may be that God wants you to have an even deeper relationship than they had. You say, well, I'll never have one like Grandma did. Why? Why not? Doesn't God want a relationship with you? This is not a Grandma religion or Grandpa re- Come on, somebody. This is a personal relationship with Jesus. It's what He wants to do with you. Don't wait. Listen, for those of you that are here, maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're in your 20s, you're younger, you're saying, well, I'll, when I, as I get older, I'll just... Why wait? Experience the presence of God right now. Well, I'm just starting a family, a younger family, you know, raising kids. Don't, why? What does God want to do right now in your life? It's about relationship. It's about relationship. Just close your eyes for a moment. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Pastor, I just, I want a, I want a deeper relationship with Jesus and with the church, with other believers. Because I know that God's tenderizing my heart. I know that even in this moment, maybe I've made some excuses about my life. And, and, and maybe my heart's not exactly where it needs to be. I know that I'm saved, but maybe there's some areas of my life and I've just been allowing the enemy to tell me who I am instead of living out the identity that Christ has for me. And today, I just want to strengthen my relationship with Jesus and with other people. I want to be better. I want to be better. Come on, if that's you, I want to invite you to come. And let's join around this front. This is a part of the corporate body. It's a part of the body of Christ. Let's join around this front in prayer. And let's ask God that He'll help us to be better in our relationship with Him. That He'll help us grow. That it wouldn't just be about thoughts and ideas that we've said, well, maybe in the future it'll be right now. Come on, God wants to do it now. You don't have to wait to get things straightened up right now. You don't have to wait until everything changes in your life right now. Right now. Come on, there's more for you today. There's more for you today. This is not about this preacher. This is about your relationship with Jesus. There's more today. There's more today. 
I want you to begin to pray. Ask the Lord, whether you're kneeling or standing, I want you to begin to pray. Just talk to Him. Just talk to the Lord this morning. Don't let somebody talk for you. You talk to the Lord this morning. This is about a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe ask the question. Maybe ask the Lord this morning. Lord, what do you want from me, from my life? Lord, I want to be closer to you. I want to know you. Lord, open up doors of opportunity in my life to fellowship with other people. God, today I pray that you would just begin to do a deeper work in my life. A deeper work in my life. I long for more of you and your presence. Come on, all over this place, let's pray. In this altar, let's pray and give it to the Lord and allow Him to speak into your life today. It's about what Jesus is desiring to do in your heart and in your life.